Welcome to Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we'll open a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club. Whoa, whoa, Mike. What? There's no chapter today. Wait, what? Yeah, I'm switching it up. Wait, why Why are we here then? We're here because when we were first uh, pitching like titles and stuff for this show, we came up with one that I liked. But it really didn't fit, and I've been holding on to it, and I think I finally have an excuse to use it. Okay. This is going to be a special edition of Spice World, Mike. This is Between Two Dunes. Between Two Dunes? Do we get a new theme song? If you want to make it. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting that one on your plate. <laughs> How's that ballast set coming? <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> next book. Next book. <laughs> but I just figure uh, we're at that point in Dune. We're in between the two books right now. And I've been promising to walk you through Holtzman's life for a little bit. Right. And, and I think you've been promising everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, we'll do a special thing. We're going to squeeze it in one week. <laughs> life <Nope. laughs> life prevails. Yeah. Not going to happen. But it's happening today. And I got, uh, knowing we're going to have another Between Two Dunes because there's three books. So we got two interviews oh, yeah. here. Okay. The next one's going to be the Butlerian Jihad. So we're going to knock these both out before Dune That's is over. That's really cool. Yeah, they're deep dives. that are, They're like a little too big to put after any chapter. Right. And I mean, like, I've wanted it to be kind of standalone to give it the attention it needs. And what, Holtzman, he's the one responsible for, like, the uh, the glow globes. Or no, like, the field that creates the glow globes? Or, like, uh, that's some float? Close, close. We'll, okay. we'll like, uh, flesh that all out. But the the shield is the big the one. The shield is, yeah. okay. Yeah, gotcha. that we want to attribute to Holtzman. And uh, now you and I, we did Holtzman's life a little bit when uh, we did that timeline when I first sat down with you. Yeah, yeah, And we yeah. walked through like, oh, yeah. from the founding of Rome all the way to there like was, 101, That 91. was the two bottle. And uh, <laughs> yeah, was, I recall being uh, upset about something about Holtzman. I can't recall exactly what it was, but I remember I loved the character and yeah. I was angry about some bullshit because of the character, having known nothing else about <laughs> Dune. <laughs> you, you don't remember what you were mad about? He might have been my first fighter. He kind of was, in a way, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we just followed him. Everyone remembers their first fighter. It's because when we did the timeline, uh, so his life is going to span a couple thousand years, and he just kept showing up over time, and I'm <laughs> like, hey, Holtzman's back. <laughs> um, but so do you remember how his life ended? Yeah, I remember how it ended. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. But before we do that... Yeah, you're not gonna, we'll, we'll let it be uh, a little <laughs> exciting for people joining for the first time. What you got? We got a wine. Oh! <gasps> We do have a wine because we didn't. We didn't want to change the format. Don't get to do the chapter much. that I read, but I got the wine. Damn it, got the wine. What do you got for a wine, Mike? It is a red wine called Nineteen Crimes. Ooh, this is a ooh, yeah. So lots, it's lots got, of ooze. What, what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got this gentleman on the front that look. I guess it looks like he's uh, in a lineup or something, but he doesn't have a number on him. Just sort of chilling there. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, he just is a, is that a piece of wood strapped around his neck. <laughs> like, it looks like it would have numbers on it, but it's blank. And it's a uh, southeastern Australia wine. Let's see here. There's a little app you can get with this. I don't know why you need that. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. Skip that part. Bad marketing. <laughs> 19 crimes. Turned con... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Nope. <laughs> you messed <laughs> it up. <laughs> 19 crimes turned convicts into colonists. What? Upon conviction, British rogues guilty of at least one of the 19 crimes were sentenced to live in Australia rather than death. Okay. Was Australia worse? Like, <laughs> I mean, why? It, it was their penal colony. I, okay. That's what they found it as. Like, you know what? We're not going to keep all these Punishment people in England. by transportation began in 1788. And many of the lawless died at sea. Oh, well, there you go. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it kind of translates to a free labor on the other side. Exactly. But anyone who made it there, you had a new life, a new world. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, 
Do you uh do you know what the nineteen crimes are? No. So that it's actually a list that it's referring to. Okay. Uh, that they had of like these nineteen felonies that were just like it could I think they were punishable by death, and they're like, you know what, but we can also just send you and do punishment by transportation. So I got a list of them on like. We're gonna I'll run through them real quick. Uh and then there's actually something special with this wine on the cork. They print one of the crimes for you. Oh, so when you cool. when you pop the cork, you get a crime. Um, that we so we've been charged with one of these nineteen, which I'll, I'll let you guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So the first one, grand larceny, theft above the value of one shilling. What was okay? What was the shilling sort of the equivalent of? Doesn't matter. Number two, petty larceny, theft under one shilling. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> While you're figuring that map out, we're loading you on a boat and we're sending you out. So you can't do any theft. That's one and two. Number three, buying or receiving stolen goods. Okay. Four, stealing uh, lead, iron, or copper. Why not just theft? Wouldn't that cover a good chunk of the list? It, it actually would. A lot of these are going to start with stealing. Specific stealing is bad. Um, number five, impersonating an Egyptian. <laughs> Look this one up. Uh, this made a lot of sense, actually. And uh, we've stumbled into this, too, because uh, I think I inadvertently throw the Romani under the bus all the time and <laughs> use, like, derogatory terms yep. towards that group of people. I, I usually have to be like, Derek. I mean, it's like, oh, it's the one kind of thing where I'm like, I got to do a little homework and be like, oh, that's why that is wrong. But it is not immediately apparent to me. So Egyptians was the misnomer applied to them oh. when they first showed up. So in, like, the 1500s. Uh, I think it was saying like Henry VIII or one of the Henrys booted all of them out of um, England or or they weren't allowed in Wales specifically. And then after that period of time, it was like a felony for them to remain there. And then after that period of time, the impersonation part gets kind of wrapped in. I'm just like basically them um, banishing these people from England. Holy shit. And uh, so obviously... Because they called them the Egyptians, the gypsy is a, like the broken derivative of that and where that comes is from. Is that where that name comes from? Yeah. So Interesting. All of it being like, I think just ignorant Londoners looking at these <laughs> people being like, well, you're not from here. Egyptians. That's wow. Surely that's what these that's people crazy. are. That's crazy. That's really interesting. So Lindo. as silly as that sounded, it does just, that's where it comes from. It's sort of bigotry. <laughs> Wine teaches us history yeah. every day. Nothing to do with real Egyptians. <laughs> but I love the, like somebody dressing up as a pharaoh and then just be like, no. <laughs> Get on the boat. Yeah. So, number seven, setting fire to Underwood. Underwood? Yeah. Okay. I don't, is that something specific? Or some dude? (laughs) Frank. Frank. Um, Number eight, stealing letters, advancing the postage, and secreting the money. (laughs) Which I love. So, it's not even about the letters, Mike. It's about skimping the postage. Sounds like a pitch to a board game or something. (laughs) Um, Number nine was assault with intent to rob. So okay. assault is fine. Just intend to rob. <laughs> not cool. Not cool. Ten, stealing fish from a pond or river. And number eleven, stealing roots, trees, or plants, or destroying them. <laughs> okay. Which, like, uh, cool. Good uh, EPA kind of like, <laughs> ruling there. Um, Twelve, bigamy. Okay. Uh, Thirteen, uh, assaulting, cutting, or burning clothes. What? Mm, weird. <laughs> <laughs> They're all about their clothes. They're cotton. Uh, 15, clandestine marriage. Oh. Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I did skip one. 14, I uh, was counterfeiting the copper coin. Okay. Specifically the copper coin. Is it a shilling made out of copper? Ooh, I don't know, but you're already in jail for that shilling thing. So <laughs> oh, no. Stop. Uh, 17, was Waterman carrying too many passengers on the Thames, if any drowned? 
<laughs> so that's like, you know, if we did an accident report, and we'll find out. But. Which is funny considering they're packing these boats full of people and sending them to Australia now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bad guy to put on the boat, I guess. Yeah. You weren't qualified the first time. Number 18, incorrigible rogues who broke out of prison and persons reprieved from capital punishment. And the last one, Mike, number 19, embueling Navy stores in certain cases. In certain cases? Yeah. yeah do you know what embueling means? No. It just means stealing. <laughs> <laughs> At least the best uh, is a cursory definition of someone just being like, it's just an archaic way to say don't steal Navy stores. 19 crimes, A plus on your history lesson. That was oh. wonderful. Now I'm like, what crime do you think we got? Oh, oh, I know a crime. <laughs> we poured our wine and didn't realize that we forgot to put the little aerator on it. <laughs> okay, but I got one on the, on the actual cork. Oh, what's oh our crime? Yeah, given to us. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, we did forget the aerator on it. <laughs> um. Dun, dun. Oh, is it the waterway one? Is it the waterman? Ooh, it's pretty close. It's actually the number ten stealing fish from a pond or river. Ah, oh. this is great. That's printed on there. You can yeah, like you should collect them. those. Yeah, that's how they get you to buy another one. <laughs> that's how they get you to buy 18 more. I'm going to be pissed if they're all number 10, though, and it's not actually all 19. <laughs> um, it is delicious wine, though. You try it? Yeah, I have tried it. It's pretty smooth. It's very smooth. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lot going on. It's not like a very sharp bite to it. The front is just really easygoing, and then, yeah, just sort of like sweet, and the flavor grows into it, and the, the aftertaste not that... Uh, not very lingering or prominent either. It's I, very like low key all the way around. I usually prefer to have something sort of like hanging in the on the tail end. But mm-hmm. what's dangerous about this is you could drink it like water. Yeah, yeah. I'm on already stuck in glass. What are we gonna, like? <laughs> yeah, I finished that first one while you're setting okay. up, kind of quick. But <laughs> all right, <laughs> hey, that's why this bottle's almost empty. <laughs> I gotta tell you a story. Hey, it might be a two bottle day, Mike. <laughs> that would be an interesting thing. We'll pause. We'll Bringing it back. I'm not. I'm not gonna remember anything about Holtzman the second time around now either. <laughs> the curse of Holtzman strikes again. Oh no. But, yeah, let's dig into it, man. I'm yeah. excited for this. I know very little about him. Yeah, any anything at all? What can you spit out? You know the shield thing. Yeah. You know roughly how his life ends. Uh, mm-hmm. which we'll save that as well. Yeah, a little, we'll save that. Yeah, not spoil it entirely. Uh what else you got for, that you remember? Um I remember he went out into space. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why he went out into space. I think I, I, had, I didn't know why at the time. I think I was very upset and confused Mike, as to why. I got some whys. So yeah, you were like flabbergasted. Like, why is he doing this? <laughs> why would you put yourself in a weird orbit? Yeah, this, is, this was your Dune pitch to me as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to tell you about Dune, Mike. Like, what is going on? Let me set this world up. <laughs> yeah. This wild journey. Well... Holtzman is going to be, uh, it's this tale of ups and downs, or to more aptly put, apogees and perigees. Oh, that's good. Yeah, orbital like, mechanics. That was really good. That was Thank really you. good. Because we're going to, that's what he's going to end up in uh, for most of his life is just spent cruising through space. So what year are we starting at? Uh, we're going to go way back and uh, 7,562 before Guild. So only like 5,500 years in the future? Or no, yeah, 5,500 years in the future from now. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty exciting because it was pretty much like parallel with ours, like maybe right. twenty years off or so right, from events. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not that long. <laughs> you want to <laughs> just ice yourself for a bit. <laughs> and uh, it's actually going to open in what we call the Age of Ten Thousand Emperors. What? Uh, so this is also referred to as the Great Dark Ages, and that's the point where um the so there is still one emperor. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But the empire is so big and we don't have instantaneous communication right now. 
Oh. Or instantaneous flight or anything so like that. If you have a world, you're pretty much the person in charge. Yeah. So basically, power was so diffused that I think there were all these upstarts. Basically, I am like, uh, you know, emperor I'm your of this emperor region, now. even if I'm not de facto right. emperor kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, maybe claiming a little bit of independence, but certainly all of it being uh, lost in time too, to a large extent. How would they communicate with one another at all? I mean, you have laser communication and things like oh, that. That's right. Like very, but that's still light years. You're right, right. So, like, I'm saying we had fast communication, but certainly, like, there's going to be things that uh, slow it down enough that the power is diffused. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't have a specific for like how long a message would take to get from like the emperor to the far reaches of uh, his of the full empire. Um, but we can sort of speculate that it wasn't good enough. Those like those uh, that communication was done with like las guns, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my, it's, one's gonna show up in here. Yeah, Our messenger las gun. So yeah, entirely. I did it. Yeah. Uh, there must have been. Remember how we talked about like the really big ones too? Yeah. Like, there probably were maybe like a spaceship sized messenger las gun. Oh. You know? uh, I don't know if that would allow it to go faster by any means. Probably, or... I mean, light is light, right? <laughs> I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they knew that. Um, <laughs> maybe some interchangeable terms here. Uh, or if there would just be some cool, like, because, uh, you know, we have ways to, like, you can use the, I think, the gravity of a star cluster to bend light around it, and that helps you look faster, essentially, because it magnifies it. Okay. Uh, and it's, like, a weird way for us to look beyond, mm. like, what we should be able to see within our light spectrum. Interesting. Yeah, it was. I guess I don't. I don't quite follow that one, but I'm just gonna say sure. It, yeah. Uh, or no, you know what? I'm sorry. I think it lets you look behind stars that are otherwise blocking your field of view. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I am totally misrepresenting that. Uh, I just want space to be magical. <laughs> <laughs> but so Holtzman, uh, we're gonna go to the planet Liesco Two. Okay. Uh sure. Throw away. <laughs> We're not going to go back there. <laughs> yeah. Need and he, Write all these down at some point. <laughs> make a little, uh, yeah, star, a little chart. star chart. Um, he's the son of the planetary governor. Okay. So he's living a pretty good life, I think, right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, already a uh, math genius, math prodigy at this point. Mm-hmm. He is very interested in one field in particular, the suspensor nullification field. Okay. So that is like glow globes and stuff. Mm-hmm. We got that. We can, we can do that. Oh, even we've already got that. Already got it. We know the science behind it. We just can't fully explain it. Um, so okay. I would uh, I would say it's more akin to like a magnetism in medieval times sort of deal. Okay. We can make use of it. We understand roughly how it works. Like this is attracted to this rock. It attracts, mag- you know, like iron and these metals, but not these metals. So this is your magic space. Yeah. And basically Holtzman's going to come back around way down the road and he's going to be able to ex- explain what's going on. Oh, that's and, really and cool. Like, Sort of, uh, remember, there was a um, time where the fields of magnetism and um, electricity were two separate sciences. Right. And then eventually they were merged because we were like, oh, no, this is the same thing. What are we doing? <laughs> like, you guys are all crazy. Get in the room together and talk. Uh, that's going to be what he's really fusing together. In okay. The way okay. So going, uh, we're going to jump forward to the year 7565. And at this point, Holtzman, he's 28 years old. All right. He's living the dream. Do you know what he's doing? Uh Go at school or something? Or? No, Mike, he's racing thopters. Racing Sco- thopters. Schools for fools. <laughs> like, he's in thopters, and he's, he's going as fast as he can Okay. Be. And he's pretty good by all accounts. See, like, okay, I already like the guy. Yeah, I already like the guy. He's not just going to... He's doing them both, and he's good at both. Uh, unfortunately, he crashes and nearly dies. <laughs> um, it's tragic. Uh, so the young Holtzman, I, I don't even know. He must just like pile up down a canyon, and it sounds like his body was ravaged. 
Oh. And by all accounts, uh, he was he was near dead. And I think if any, if his father was anybody else but the planetary governor, mm-hmm. probably would have been. But they pull all the strings, and by uh, what it calls, he was uh, kept alive by the most heroic measures of the advanced medical sciences of Aliasco. So they get pulled everything they have and they install him into what's going to be called like a prototype exotal tank. Okay. And uh, so the exotal tank is what the Bene Tlaxlu were eventually use. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to cover that more in Dune Messiah. Uh, when I told you they could make clones and golas and stuff like that. Right. They do it with this tank. It basically lets you like uh, breed people and uh, do genetic manipulation. Okay. Uh, it's like a big artificial womb. Okay. And uh, so they have a prototype version of that, and that's what Holtzman's going to get put into. And he becomes the first of very few persons to undergo a brain transplant. Oh, yeah. And they actually take his brain out, and they put it in this prototype tank, and he gets wired into this large, uh, like a host computer that has an unprogrammed personality bank. And the idea is that Holtzman's going to imprint his personality like on this machine. Okay. All right. So this has never been done before. Because um, remember, I said we're 7,000 years before the Balearian Okay, Jihad. so like, no, this is like new technology. New technology. Like, we don't have thinking machines yet. That whole phase is going to come post-Holtzman. Um, okay, okay. And this is a technology bringing us up to that point. So Holtzman is the first person to be put into one of these. And uh, everything goes pretty well. There is one catch, though. Oh, and while installing them on this and uh, the scientists had no idea this occurred because they, you know, they've never done this before. They don't know what they need to watch out for. Holtzman de- develops a psychosis and it manifests in a form of like intense paranoia. OK. All right. That's just going to be what's in there. But you can imagine like that's something he's not going to share. Mm-hmm. He's going to be paranoid. The right, whole right. Time. Like, <laughs> it's going to end up being a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Right, right. As like uh, Holtzman is going to refuse treatment all around for this kind of thing. So, uh, like I said, they just had no idea what they had done because Holtzman, he's going to be the first one. Uh, and so the extent of his powers are not going to be understood until it's well too late. So Holtzman's in a computer. Mm-hmm. He's in this personality bank. Uh, we don't really get an effect of like, uh, you know, what the day-to-day was after that. You know, them checking on Holtzman and seeing how he's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone was talking to him. But uh, I do got a few updates of like what else was going on in Liesco because certainly life was still going hard. Right. So uh, the chief engineer of House Holtzman, he begins construction of like this uh, crazy spaceship and, uh, you know, then release papers actually end up showing up at the hospital for Ibrahim Holtzman, who's in like his computer thing, which everyone's like, oh, well, OK, boom, it's all stamped. It's all in order. So well, they, okay. they bring out Holtzman out. And uh, oddly enough, Holtzman, he's taken to the space place where this new spaceship's been built. It's kind of okay. You know, no one's questioning. He's got paperwork for everything. And like, they get word to install Holtzman in this They're going to erase it? Like, what? I don't know. But so they put him in. They're just like, you know, do whatever the paper says. And everyone's just following orders. And uh, then, you know, they probably are starting to get a little questionable when uh, there's takeoff clearance for mm-hmm. that ship is put in. And he, now he's put it in queue to be launched off mm-hmm. of uh, from the dock. They're like, oh, you know, that's kind of weird. And, but then all of a sudden that clearance gets priority. And it skips everybody, and it goes to the front. So now Holtzman, in this new ship made by the chief engineer, is ready to launch and has clearance for it, and it just starts carting itself off, <laughs> like <laughs> going to the front of the line. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, all this occurs, this is in about uh, one year since his accident, right? Mm-hmm. So this whole thing's been up. Uh, the chief engineer never constructed a new spaceship, Mike. 
No one ever submitted orders for this. No one ever ordered the ship to be launched. No one ever moved these things around. This is all planned by Holtzman. Yeah. And that ship goes and it takes off and uh, no one can stop him. Like, it's not until it's going off that finally they're like, what the hell is happening? I was like, where's Holtzman? And like, they go through. So he's what, 29 years old at this point? 29. Yeah. If you want to keep counting him uh, in linear years Uh, and in this robot form. And we'll touch on uh, just in a second here of like um, how amped up he is, too, because he's a little that computer isn't like a one to one to a human. now. Mm -hmm. He does have like uh, more advanced processes going on. But uh, the ship now at this point, uh, for all intensive purposes, it is him. Like, he and the ship are one thing. Oh. He's, like, completely interconnected into it. Okay. Like, wired up to it. Um, I do... It doesn't ever describe fully what the ship is like. It's, since he got installed into it, we're going to get to the end of the story, and uh, one person does board it. So I think it is large enough for, like, you could go inside of it and see, like, whatever. I don't know. I'm, I imagine a brain floating in, like, a jar. So, like, <laughs> um, I'm sure it's something better than that, but that's the sort of, like, sci-fi trope. I right, 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 right. Kind of bubbles going up. Yeah. It lights up when he talks. Um... <laughs> And uh, the other uh, weird thing that happened. Oh, sorry. So he, the ship is him and he launches himself and he goes for a crazy orbit. Uh, it's going to be this really elliptical orbit and uh, it won't attain its peak for like, um, I think another 10 years of him flying or no, nine years away. So when he'll get like to the peak of it. Okay. Going out. So it's, it's got some uh, long-term plans. So he just pieces out. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you told me the story the first time, you know, you knew none of that. None of you that. You just said, no. Yeah, like, I said he was cyborged after an accident and then launched into space. He he had, yeah. <laughs> we kind of left a don't know who did it or why. <laughs> we, I thought it was just like a bad bachelor party. Like <laughs> everything's gone terribly wrong. Punishment by transportation. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> now, those aren't the end of the weird things that were happening on Liasco. Okay. For, uh, I think it's the next few years. Because like I said, he's going to take nine years before he gets to where he wants to be in this orbit and this peak of it and starts coming back around. He just wants to get into orbit? Uh, into a, like a commentary orbit. Right. Like he's going into a really elliptical orbit that's going to okay. be like he's gone for thousands, you know, and loops back around. Um, but for a few years, the computers at Lesko all have like um, unexplained interruptions in their transmissions. And they keep blipping out and having glitches go through them. And uh, what's happening is that Ibrahim is copying all the data from Lesko to himself before he goes out of range so that he can study it at his leisure. Okay. So he's making, just taking the library with him, copying every single bit of data that he can. Okay. So he can read every book just when he wants to. He's like that guy in um, the Twilight Zone, you know, mm-hmm. except his glasses don't break and he gets to keep <laughs> them at the end of the world and read all of his books. So let me tell you a little bit about his, uh, what's going on in between his ears right now or what were left of them. Now, his mental processes are sped up by a factor of 10. And okay. he could think, they say, at least 30 times faster than a normal human. And then you add in on top of that, he no longer needs to sleep. He no longer needs to eat. He can just always be operating, essentially. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. Of a man who was already um, a math prodigy and an academic at that point. Uh, so his mind is just racing. He has all the information he could possibly want and all the time he could possibly need. So it's sort of like a perfect recipe for a scientist. Like he's got, yeah. Yeah, he's got to figure some stuff out. Uh and um, I also, though, wonder if that would uh, speed up his psychosis. Oh, and just amp, like processing too much paranoia. information. Mm-hmm. Or we're like, because imagine that little thing that makes you like, is that guy following me? And now you're like, you think about it 30 times before like that person looks at you again. Right. Like 
just to amp it up even that much more. I, I imagine is, that's running in the background. This is making me think of Mentats, just yeah. like a, the processing speed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he very much is just with the, uh, he got to cheat and be put in a computer instead of like ramping his mind up to the mm-hmm. level of a computer. Uh, and he's gonna, he's, he gets, he'll be open about that down the road, um, but he doesn't actually tell people about himself for a long time. But that's, uh, that's jumping far ahead. We gotta go through these first few steps here because we're still in his contemporary time. His mm-hmm. dad's still on that planet, still planetary governor. Right. His son just ran off uh, with presumably some proprietary technology <laughs> and just uh, leaving some questions behind. But uh, within two years of uh, Abraham flying out there, mm-hmm. he already learned more about suspensor nullification than the best minds from the last uh, 50 centuries. Oh. Well, he's already done it. Oh, and wow. It took him two years of just solitude and working on it. And uh, he does send a message back in that time. But it is, and again, this is the paranoia coming through. It just, in quotes, is, uh, was a strange amalgam of accusations. So he was, uh, he was driven... Uh, Evidently driven by a desire to remind his imagined persecutors that he was alive without revealing his position. Okay. So, again, the paranoia. <laughs> he just thinks everyone's out to kind of get him. So he just, like, yells back at people. I'm just like, fuck you, God, Nurker. <laughs> and uh, then goes into the orbit. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So he comes back around. Next message, a little more tempered. And he's able to explain um, his discoveries. And uh, they were actually, this message mm-hmm. comes from the planet itself, from the ESCO 2. He makes it emanate from the planet. And uh, I think it's part of him making sure no one can find him. He's not willing to give his position up because he's terrified right. of these people that are after him, quote unquote. Um, but so now the governor and his advisors, they are briefly very confused because mm-hmm. like this message is coming from the core of the world. Like what the hell is going on? And uh, they eventually like figure out what's happening. Uh, this is Holtzman out in space. And the academics who receive this message go crazy of like, because um, what he sends them um, was, I believe, the um, message for how to achieve instantaneous communication. Okay. First time in the universe we'd have that. So, like, the academics are just thinking about what that means. Like, holy shit. Like, what did, yeah. First of all, where did this come from? Yeah. Like, who made this? Yeah. Who, like, yeah. Validating the science. Just imagine how giddy they'd be. They wouldn't really care about the right. little in, ins and outs of who Holtzman is. But just wanting to get that science and get their hands on it and get to work. The governor, though, he's got a different sort of angle on this. And that he realizes his son, insane genius had to be controlled or destroyed. What? Uh, what? Again, instantaneous communication. It's nowhere else in the universe, and you're just wildly introducing that right now. Because uh, that's going to be what reunites the Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they really rationalize this down for like what these nobles would be thinking of, like, if we want to win fights, if mm-hmm. we can call in reinforcements instantaneously... So keep it to themselves. Uh, just, yeah, they just, it's an advantage to have that technology over someone else because if me and my allies can talk instantly and say like, Hey, they're fighting me right now. My allies can get here before yours even know like we're having a battle kind of deal. Uh, and that we're going to win more wars that way and be, uh, our conquest will always be superior. So I think that's why he's looking at like, I got a rain Holtzman, especially, you know, it's my son, like maybe thinking like he'll, he'll want to come back home. He'll want to work for me, you know, do it for the family. And uh, this, again, though, I think it's going to make Holdsman's uh, madness sort of a self. If you chase after him. Right. Like, you know what he's going to do in response. He already doesn't want to be seen. So they set up this big program of, like, they're searching for Holtzman. Like, 
They start scanning every corner of space. They got radar stations set up for it, mm-hmm. and they're just on the airways. It takes them nine years before they ever get a sighting of him again. At this point, Holtzman's got a nickname. Whoa, what is it? What do you Wait, think? is it I'm Polaros? No. Oh, that'd be pretty good. Oh. No, that is that is the Lost Dutchman. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's full of uh, like a full crew of men. Yeah, but in space. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We have the Mad Holtzman. The is, Mad Holtzman. <laughs> the Mad Holtzman. That's what he, <laughs> that sounds like another spacefaring ship name. Yeah, no, it totally does. <laughs> and it totally is, too. In a way, it's yeah. both, yeah. So it's like the one guy out there and the ship. Uh, so I just love the idea of like there's one scout on like a radar and he gets this radar image of just like sees the Mad Holtzman. Oh, like oh. spit take of the coffee. I'm <laughs> just like. <gasps> it's him so he sends a message uh instantly two cutters join him these like fighter ships right that are okay. like a scout ship and they're flying up as fast as they can and uh they're chasing ibrahim and they're they're gonna take him out okay like, we've been searching nine years for this we finally got our shot and uh ibrahim though senses them immediately and it's just like oh hell no and like, <laughs> he guns it out it's the Knox. <laughs> yeah and he sends a message to the six closest star systems uh that he can get within range oh he says the following i have developed an instantaneous interstellar communication device which governor holtzman of liesco is attempting to keep for himself if you will rescue me i will share this knowledge with you Oh, <laughs> five of the six respond immediately. They're just oh, like, man. you got it, buddy. Safe haven. <laughs> what about the other guy? That other, the, yeah, I don't know about the the one holdout who I don't, must have been. Went like, to a spam email. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not another one of these. You think it did not, uh, can't be important. <laughs> <laughs> just like hung up on him. We don't take uh, solicitations <laughs> out in space. And uh, the uh, this message, though, also emanated from the primary in each system. So he had it coming uh, right from the, I think, so that would be the star in each yeah. one. Uh, again, kind of hiding himself from them in a way. But he keeps going and tries to outrun these patrol vessels, and he's not quite able to. One of the cutters is able to get off a, a long-range shot right at the end. So this is like a cutter ray. One of those lasers swoops out, and the... Suspensor nullification manipulators that are on his ship that are basically like um, his reaction thrusters that let mm-hmm. him do little corrections and movements all get blasted off. And then the stern of the ship is actually blown apart. Oh my God. The explosion from the stern throws it into an uncharted orbit without the ability to maneuver further. So Holtzman just goes tumbling. <laughs> yeah. Just like, hey, about those five systems. <clears throat> and uh, he's rapidly moving out of solar range. So at this point, he transmits his discovery to every system he can get uh, an accurate uh, sighting on. Wow. So it's just like, oh, never, you know, he was just going to bargain his way out. It's like, yeah. no, everyone, boom, sends it all out in this big uh, distribution. And then he is able to take a little bit of the power left uh, and like, um, I think he just sets himself up to go into like a hibernation mode. And, uh, you know, does the math for himself. He knows about when he's going to come back around. And he's like, okay. He gets this last uh, burst off, this information packet out to everybody. And then he sets up for a single wake-up procedure to bring him back up uh, when he calculated. He'll be back in Liesco in about 18,000 years. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh sorry. 1,800. Full <laughs> factor up. <laughs> that would have just brought us to Dune. And then yeah. we've gone too far. <laughs> So is that the the, the meteor streaking in the the sky? Yeah, Caladan. Caladan. Oh. I'm back. <laughs> I got one more thing to say. So Holtzman, while he's gone, uh, his actions 
result in the uh, rapid development of what's called Holtzman wave generators. So that's going to okay. be this communication device. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking instantaneously, not only to each other, but to ships that are also moving at light speed. You can talk to them. Ooh. Yeah, so that's some tricky communication right there. And uh, this, though, it brought on what we're going to call the uh, wars of reunification. Oh. And they rage through the, because, you know, you got to go in and right. you got to knock out all those th- false emperors, Mike. They, you know, they're filling space. So ferocious were these struggles and so long lasting that uh, when Holtzman came back around, everyone was at war and he's just like, I'll wait. And he just, <laughs> he just keeps going. <laughs> he just keeps going. <laughs> he's like, now's not a good, you're busy, I'm busy. I'm just going to keep going. This is kind of my fault. <laughs> Uh, he did, however, but since he is in the area, uh, he was able to effect a few repairs, and uh, I think he gets sort of the um, the servos back up and running, so mm-hmm. his manipulators are back on. Okay. Um, with what, however he did that, I'm not sure. Uh, so then he goes, boom, back around for another uh, 1,800 years, <laughs> and uh, when he comes back around the next time, uh, detecting no malevolent activity <laughs> on his return, uh, he sent a brief message. Um, to Liesco, uh, not knowing that it was now a prison world. Oh. Uh, a prison world administered by a few orbital computers. So we're at that point in history, Mike. Oh, so it's like, this is the, the thinking machine era. Yeah. Oh. So now the machines, they detect the radio signals uh, on the planet and send an emergency call up the line. Now, uh, I think this is like a mix of like people and machines in this kind of hierarchy because mm-hmm. it says we're uh, passing it up the line. Uh, there's a provincial warden on Mechaton 3. So this is going to be the guy who gets uh, this message. And he's just like, this is all right. Uh, I'll send the technicians out, I guess. <laughs> I'm like dispatches this band of technicians to Liesco to be like, look, uh, there's something transmitting from the world. Find out how the prisoners built a transmitter and, like, you know, how they managed to do that, essentially. Right. Like, oh, that's right, because he transmits through the, the planets yeah, themselves. So they, somehow, which I still don't understand. Yeah, yeah, that, and it doesn't give me any explanation of it. So okay. we just accept that of, like, okay, cool. It's enough that it's it's faking out these computers, and they think that the prisoners have, like, somehow built a transmitter right. or something. Um, so Holtzman, he's listening into all of this, because he's just sort of eavesdropping in his little orbit right. as he's passing by the planet. How does his paranoia take this? Uh, well, uh, out of his paranoia, he still isn't willing to risk him to risk himself, but he does want to get his work out there. Right. Cause he, he's had his, he, while he's been going around, he do it. He basically has like another, um, epiphany or revelation. Oh, so he just gets to work, writes it down. He's like, all yeah, right, quick. Yeah, in orbit. And then when he comes back around, he's like, oh, cause like he had that first one. He's like, well, I have something for him. Mm-hmm. So he's got an idea. I'm like, he's going to publish his work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Because sure. he figures if these texts are coming up, Mike, they got to make a report, right? Mm-hmm. So if any weird radio signal were to go through, it's going to be part of that report. That's as good as publishing a paper. Oh, my God. So he just pumps it out uh, through the planet. And um, it's the discovery of the planner effect. And uh, Planner effect? So that's like the shield thing. Oh. So remember, there are three kind of phases of this. The wave is like the point one. The planar effect is using it on two fields. And then the field is like a suspensor globe. So okay. he didn't invent the field. We already knew that. But he ex- he's going to explain that all three of these are one phenomenon. And just like, hey, here's the math that like lets you know what it's happening and how we can uh, change okay. it and uh, make it useful. So 
once he publishes it by just like broadcasting it to these guys <laughs> doing a report, Lord knows what happens to the prisoners on that planet then. Like they must have torn that place over looking for a transmitter. <laughs> that never happens. Uh, oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. They do kind of figure it out, but it takes a little time. So uh, the texts do arrive and they start their inspection and uh, they're looking at these recordings mm-hmm. and uh, it only goes to, um, I have a weird, I'll read you this line. Uh, when the technicians ins- inspected the recordings made by the Guardian machinery, they were flabbergasted. All accounts had Holtzman dead and lost to interstellar space. So I don't, I just don't know what they mean by Guardian machinery. Guardian machinery. Because that's, that's not the orbital computers. They're going to refer to that as something separate. So it's something on the planet of like, I don't know if that's the computer that administers the like prison or something, but Guardian machinery. So that, that's what Holtzman recording is or maybe, in. Huh. But they, they, do they know they're prisoners? Maybe they think they're just like being protected. What do you mean? The, uh, the people of that planet? I mean, I guess I don't know enough of the state of the, the universe yeah, at this point. No, I mean, it never really gets fleshed out because uh, Frank never got to do the Butlerian job. He only refers to it. So Dang. I think you could kind of go either way. I imagine but from I, their perspective. I think, I think they know yeah. they're prisoners, though. That's a, that's kind of, well, no, maybe not. Maybe maybe it is. Uh, well, no, I don't think it's like a big ruse, though. Like, I think there's a reason this guy's a warden. And like, this is that. Like, I think the people are pretty well persecuted. All right, all right. Because uh, like, we still have human civilization. We're right. just like under the yoke of the machines, ultimately, and we throw them over. Uh, we'll we'll dig in this when we get to the Balerian Jihad, okay. and uh, that that'll maybe explain it for you. But nonetheless, so these texts go through, right? And uh, they run a diagnostic on the orbiting computers, mm-hmm. and like they can't find any errors there. There's nothing wrong with the stuff down here. Uh, but like this thing is like, referring to Holtzman and whatnot. Holtzman's mm-hmm. a, a you know a myth at this point. Uh, so they send all that information, you know, back up the line. So we go back and we check in on the warden back on Makaton three. Mm-hmm. He's got a little, you know, he's, he's doing work. I like what this guy thinks. He's like, I'm going to bring some ep- experts in. I'm going to play it for them. I don't know everything. I'm going to see what they know. So we bring in a, one's a historian. We play it for him. And this guy's like, Ooh, that's definitely the archaic speech of the great dark ages. So that's like a, Oh, this might be Holtzman kind of thing. Oh. Okay. Uh, another, of the people there was a theoretical wave mechanic named Stavian. He's a chief engineer for House Varric. Okay. So Stavian, uh, he's a pretty good guy. I don't know. Uh, we don't know too much about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to add any embellishing characteristics. No, no I, I, He's going to be our, our like hero engineer for this little story. Okay. Here. So I don't know if you want to assume that he had a pet, had a family. A pet bird, probably. Pet bird. Stavian's avian. Stavian's <laughs> avian. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> so he uh is looking over like the this transcript from holtzman right mm-hmm. and he's just like this math all adds up uh so he's just like well let's just go test it like we have all the material like, why not so, yeah like so he follows the instructions to create this node of the planar effect like mm-hmm. to a t you know, like let's see what we got here puts it all together and he ends up manufacturing the first shield that and is so cool. It is a simple flat effect about a meter in diameter, emitting radiation in all but the long radio frequencies. Yeah. Hmm. Now, uh, he didn't realize what he had, though, until he accidentally dropped a screwdriver into the field and saw it gently lower through the plane of the effect. Oh. Because the key thing here is that the faster the kinetic is right. going, it's the more it's going to stop it, right? Right, right, right. So once he sees that, he's just like, what the hell? And he like calls up, you know, the warden. He's just like, warden, it's real. This is no hoax. Like, you got to see this thing I just made. 
And uh, so Stavian, he grabs his avian. He grabs the apparatus. <laughs> and he goes out into the courtyard. And he's like, well, we got to see what else this thing can do. And he just starts, uh, he like, I assume plants this up on the other, you know, put mm-hmm. probably right on the wall or mm-hmm. something. He's got the bird on his shoulder. Maybe he takes like a bow and arrow, <laughs> launches it in, boom, launches it like Ricochet off. Like, that's kind of cool. Gets like a little handgun, shoots that. Like, ooh. Gets a rifle. Shoots that. And uh, it says we get up to a variety of missiles of increasing power. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, yeah. Stavian, go. <laughs> He's just like, oh. Yeah. So Stavian, with his avian, is getting pretty cocky at this point. He's like, what can this thing not <laughs> oh, do? Oh, does he, does he, he take goes, a laser? He goes into the workshop, Mike. Yeah, he pulls out a cutting laser. He's like, Ooh, what do you think, bird? And the bird's like, squawk. And he, <laughs> no. he sets up the cutting laser on oh, a little tripod. Is... <laughs> he aims it. He looks up at that last sunny day, Mike. And he goes, this one. One, two, and clicks it, and it shoots a little laser light at a little shield, and the resulting explosion is the first in the universe. Oh, God. So, we don't, uh, oh, I, I guess I'll read to the line, too. Thus, as his last discovery, he learned the planar effect did not mix well with coherent light. Oh, Stavian's gone. <laughs> and his avian. And his avian. Uh, but I just love it. Oh, I, I want to know how big that explosion was. Did we just lose a capital city? Like, where was know. he when yeah. he did this? Like, what was going on? And uh, the warden <laughs> finds out about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets on the gets on the phone. Mm-hmm. And they send a blast out to... Um, it's a wave to Liesco, uh, where Holtzman was nearing the end of his active period. So mm-hmm. it's come through. We like know when he's going to be right, right, right. And he's just like, what the hell? And like <laughs> demanding more information. Um, and then it says, the situation must have appealed to Holtzman's sense of humor. He broadcast a brief biography and promised to return in another 1800 years when he hoped his reception would be more cordial. Just like, what a dick. <laughs> just like, you just killed that man. And you're just like, oh, that was kind of funny. Here's a, here's a little bit about me, though. About the author. Yeah. What? I'd be so confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then the, just like, you, you plan on coming back? Did Holtzman know that the that was going to happen? Um, or do you think it was just like, huh, I'll look into that further? I, I think he plans to look into it further because uh, he is going to use that to set up a little fail-safe device of his own, but he oh. doesn't have it set up from the get-go. So I bet that was sort of like a uh, how would you know until you do it. Right. Like how would you – for him, like probably he would have done the math, but you would have to think of a reason to be like, what happens if light cro- – you know, a beam of light right. hits this so particularly. What was it called? Uh, Omtel rule? Like testing to the point to of destruction. point of destruction. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hey, that fits here. Hey, hello. <laughs> I guess that was helpful for the shield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had to test it. To de- no, the shield never broke. Oh, I guess it did break. Uh, well, when you, when you turned into a separate particle. When the nuclear explosion occurred, I'm sure a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that counts as broken. <laughs> and, uh, so this was the. Oh, the second and last time Holtzman was to single handedly change the face of the empire as the planner effect spread like wildfire. Everyone wants so, a shield instantaneous communication mm-hmm. shields those are the two big things that holtzman gives to this universe mm-hmm. and uh you can imagine how much combat is going to change from this moment on too now shields are going to start in one corner of the universe and just bloom outward how invincible that first army must have been to be the first guys with shields oh yeah and, like, no one else having them do you think they rose up and like took the uh 
the Emperor's throne? No, no, because remember, uh, Holtzman, he does send it to everybody. Right. But I, I bet there are just like regional powers for a few years. of like <laughs> that first house to manufacture and get them going. Like, yeah, I would just steamroll my enemies or... It doesn't seem like Holtzman really cares about humanity or wants to like help him out. And I think he's just sort of like patting his ego right now. It's just like, look what I discovered. Hmm. Later. Yeah, I no, I don't think it's like his ego. I think he does discovery for discovery's sake. That's fair. And like, yeah, he definitely is not worried about the like ethical ramifications of his work's application. Mm-hmm. He kind of puts that on you of like, you know, if you guys are going to kill each other, so be it. Not my problem. I just invented this. And it goes about his way. In a weird way, though, like, because Holtzman is part machine. Right. And I just think it's interesting for Frank Herbert's universe, like, the two momentous things that like really push us forward and let us develop and be this feudal human society were given to us by a machine in a way, hmm. or ultimately this thing we're going to uh, completely reject later on and post like uh, Butlerian Shahat. Right. Uh, this mixing of man and machine. But I, uh, I digress. Cause like I said, that was his second and last time he changed the future. He's not done yet though. So coming back around. He'll come back around. Um, I put all these in my notes each time is like back to the future part one. Part <laughs> oh. This one's back to the future part four. Okay. And uh, Holtzman returns during uh, the second reunification. And at this point, he is a legend. Uh, and it says presumably for predicting his own return. But that one kind of seems weird to me of this like it's an orbit. <laughs> it's, it's like... <laughs> Science. Um, <laughs> but okay. Uh, he does keep his orbit secret. So, like, only he knows his orbit. Right. But, like, still, you guys shouldn't be impressed that he just tells you when he's going to come back and he shows well, up. Well, they don't even know that he's in a ship, right? Um, they just heard the planet speaking this time around. Oh, Farron, at this point, I don't know. So he's that, just this that, weird, that, like. That particular, we don't know what uh, of this myth of Holtzman has leaked down through the centuries they just knew that like they thought he was dead yeah yeah so i guess like that could be a little bit of like Mm -hmm. what is exactly out there it's a ship or whatever that that one i could give you um yeah maybe like this disembodied spirit yeah ghost holtzman and uh as he's coming back around um this time he has his work is this unified theory and uh, like I told you, he's going to link all these phenomenons. So mm-hmm. this one, uh, it's just like a basically a big equation lets you know all these various effects are um, in a single hierarchy of phenomenon. How he labels it. So okay. the wave generator. Oh, just saying the that field, like these are all the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's all one like physical phenomenon occurring. Gotcha. And this is just however you interpret it and put the energy into it. Um, but Holtzman, he was also different this time around, like noticeably by the people listening to him in that he was definitely less paranoid and he was more apt to discuss himself in precise terms than he has ever been before. Okay. So he's always been very coy, I think, anytime they tried to reach out and actually communicate with him and he'd only really discuss the science or whatever he sent out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time around, though, he feels comfortable enough that he confirms to them that he is a machine overlaid with the mind of a man. And he's sort of sharing this. So I think that sort of embellishes, like, yeah, they didn't know a lot of specifics of Holtzman, I right. guess, at this point. I guess that had been lost to history as well. Well, they, they, they thought he was, okay. uh, but no one knew for sure. We didn't have any concrete evidence. Um, so they were just sort of rumors. And uh, Holtzman, though, he's not willing to discuss what he calls his work in progress, but something was exciting him when he left uh, the panel range, and he stated several times that he could see the end and needed only a few more days. Oh, that's 
like really soon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very soon. Like he was expecting before he went out of like signal range, I think entirely to be able to at least send a delayed message back. Right. So he does also let them know though. Like I did say he was less paranoid. Right. For some reason he feels the need to slip in like, Hey, by the way, guys, I've also rigged up a small planner field in front of an old message laser. So uh, don't come mess with me. And it's basically like if anyone comes out to him, he's got a little laser and a little shield. <laughs> and it's just going to fire at that. And that's going to be the end of it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I like So I got this little quote I pulled out of no one was sure he was not lying. But Holtzman's cheerful statement that he had rigged a dead man's booby trap reminded the listeners that they were dealing with a madman. <laughs> <laughs> madman Holtzman. And uh, he does pass out of range before he discovered uh, before. Yeah, he finishes his last discovery. Oh, so, so he has to wait like. 2,000 years to yeah, basically the, share the everything. full 1,800. Which he and, just uh, figured out. His last transmission was a frustrated promise to finish this thing up first thing next time. So, <laughs> as he goes back around. Then, Mike, how, how are you enjoying the Holtzman journey so far? Oh, no, Derek. Yeah, we're coming to a close. <laughs> is, this, is this a cancer puppy? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yes. <laughs> no. This is it. No, so, I, when he comes back... Around the next time, I'm guessing the Balerian, uh, Butlerian Jihad has sort of risen up mm-hmm. and being a machine and announcing that he's a machine. Yeah, so like now they know for sure. We, we right. gave that one up. Cat's out of the bag last time around when he thought, you know, everything's cool. I guess I'll tell you guys about who I am. Nothing mm-hmm. weird's going to happen, right? Uh, then he goes back around and uh, kind of like we do the chapters. Actually, I'm just going to read you the last sure. couple uh, paragraphs here because uh, it ends in a really poetic way for kind of like chiming the Holtzman's uh accomplishments up holtzman's next return his fifth occurred in 108 before guild the butlerian jihad was ending and all intelligent machines had been destroyed except for holtzman so many pilgrims had arrived to witness the destruction of the last great symbol of the old order that keeping them supplied caused severe logistical problems and even incredible as it may seem collisions between ships in interplanetary space oh my god so we have so many people here my that it is like a logistical nightmare just to get food and basic materials to places because we're all piling up on the right. Let's go. Ships in orbit are crashing into each other. That is insane and just should not be possible. <laughs> With the expanse of space, yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of room, guys. Uh, but they're all piled in. It continues. The Jihad fleet did not attempt to communicate with Holtzman, but began an intense search which found him after only three days. Oh. They cast lots to determine who would make the kill, and the honor fell to Viana Kellis. Is she the one who started the Butlerian Jihad? Uh, no, that's Shaheen Butler. Okay. So she actually gives her name to the Jihad. Oh, okay. So that's why it's Butlerian. You're right. Um, after drawing near to him, she suited up and entered Holtzman's ship. So oh, she I, goes in. She went in there. You thought she was just going to shoot a gun? She's going in for the kill. I think I, she has I a knife. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, she suited up and entered Holtzman's ship. Minutes thereafter, the entire fleet was bathed in the flash of a tremendous mass conversion reaction. Is that a nuclear explosion? Yeah, I think we just tore apart every atom in there. Wow. So that was the end of Holtzman. <laughs> Holtzman there with a las gun and she's like, I told you, I warned you. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I hope he very much uh, was like Hal and like closes the door behind Vienna mm-hmm. and just like, I was expecting you. <laughs> Have a seat, Kellis. So we Soon. don't get to know what is final revelation it go, it was it goes on oh no one knows what fu- holdsman's last theory was <laughs> you almost got that verbatim like, <laughs> if there really was one since he has not been found again in the centuries since the jihad 
In all likelihood, his fate was exactly what it appeared to be. Both his life and death were tragic, and humanity, and humanity cannot calculate the debt it owes him. For he was unique. Had he not been mad, Holtzman would never have been so determined in his work. Had he not been more machine than man, he could not have been so painstaking. Yet had he not possessed that essential spark of humanity, he would never have been able to make the intuitive leaps that eventually brought him the answers he sought. Hmm. That is the close That's of Ibrahim really cool. von Holtzman. I love that little bit. That's um, really cool. Kind of, you know, he needed to be every aspect of what he was to mm -hmm. achieve those things. And the, I think that, again, the debt to humanity of what we owe to these machines that we rejected. Right. And that clearly there was a way for us to work that in between. Uh, and maybe neither, like, full-throated way is correct. Uh, a cool little parallel is that that uh, idea of, like, so perfectly unique reminds me of Paul a little bit. Of He's putting this, like, a uh, very specific situation with these specific uh, mentors, uh, the specific bloodline, sort of like all the stars aligning. Mm -hmm. I sort of like feel like uh, him and Holtzman have a bit of similarity there. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I see that entirely too. Uh, and it, like, I think like the destiny aspect kind of throws it a little bit, but definitely like the fact that in some ways these things were done to them without consent. Right. Uh, especially like Ibrahim being pushed well, into right. the machine uh, and not having a choice in that. Those mm -hmm. circumstances a little different. Uh, and then maybe the fact that there was no test of humanity on Ibrahim. I wonder if that would have weeded out that sort hmm. of madness. Kind of oh, deal. interesting. Yeah, but all that kind of comes as a result from him, though. It's crazy. Yeah. How far the universe then goes, because this brings us pretty much uh, to 100 BG. So this is right before guild transportation. Mm -hmm. So wait, we know Arrakis then by this point, because... You need spice for the guild, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think we have spice so far. I'm not a hundred percent. That one I'm still a little fuzzy on. Right. Okay. Hmm. What are you thinking? I'm wondering if his uh his theory had something to do with the spice. Okay. Because if we know that it can be used to navigate space at the speed of light, wouldn't that be kind of important? Well, no, no, because like so, when the navigators use the spice, they're okay. using it to bypass the computer element, not like a full space element. Okay. We're still using tech to fold space, but they they are just literally avoiding stars. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I pilot this machine. Gotcha. Kind of That's like what they're doing with their prescience. Okay. Not like operating the minutia of the machine and the mm -hmm. ship, whereas like Holtzman is like kind of wired into the whole thing. Uh, they, they just need to replace the computer because that's what we got rid of. That okay, everything. gotcha. We kept everything else we kept uh, as best we could in hmm. one piece. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited for us. I like that this leaves off at the end of the Butlerian Jihad, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so then when we finish our next Dune, we should end up pretty much at the same point. Uh, I think ah. we'll be back on Liesco, and this is sort of the ending of the Jihad. Okay. okay. Uh, and I'll walk you through how that all got started and uh, Jaheim Butler, who she is and why she hates robots so much. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they don't have it coming. Oh, man. That's really cool. That's really I'm cool. I, I'm glad we got to go through Holtzman. Yeah, we, uh, we've it's been, been talking about him for a while. while. And mainly just the fact that he pulled all those strings and just starts like making things happen on the ESCO. Just like, no, this is the engineer forging this and this and then launching himself off. I think what we've learned is that you should always wear a helmet when you're racing Thopters. That's, that is the moral of the story. <laughs> that is the moral of the story. <laughs> it's just a big helmet <laughs> PSA. Closing up shop here, Mike. <laughs> but uh, that that is all I got for you today, Mike. That's it, really it's exciting. a short one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's between two dunes. It's not a, a full chapter. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not eager to leave the desert just yet. We're just going to kind of hang out here for yeah. a little bit. Sip our, sip our spice wine. Mm. Uh, I don't have any glosser game for you. <laughs> Thank God. No, I think, I, <laughs> I think we're uh, done with it. Yeah. There's a couple more words in there if you want me to just like pick one real, real quick. 
Ah, oh, I'm like, I, for old time's sake? Yeah, for old time's we, sake? We, we, all get, right. we get one more word right. for me? Okay. And then we'll definitely stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not keeping track of points anymore, at the very least. But I do like going into the words. They're okay, pretty okay. fun. Grab, grab one, grab one. All right, so just coming through this, I, I was trying to find a, a word that would be kind of on, on point with today's... Uh, Trying to hit a, a Holtzman-esque. Yeah, but I think everything you already covered in your description <laughs> of Holtzman, so it's not really worth going into. <laughs> it's just verbatim. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm like, oh, well, all right. But um, here's a cool one that uh, uh, stuck out to me. It's called Silago or Silago. C- it's C-I-E-L-A-G-O. Silago. Uh, oh, okay. Um, when you, you just, I wanted to go to a, a bat. First, bat. bat. They they show up later in, and uh, I think it. I want to say it's the Latin word for them, but it's uh, like Choptera. Oh. Uh, oh. But it's like C H O P. So it's def- I don't think it's that. Cielago. Uh, um, I want to say that's on. You know, with the Doom board game, that's a territory name. Is it really? I think there's like I want to say like a Cielago North and a Cielago South. Um, they're on. So oh, you might be right. I think I put them on the equator. I'm leaning toward it being like a desert kind of word, like erg and blood and stuff. Right, right, right. Uh, is that the right direction? Dude, you were you were actually closer with the first one, I think. With a bat? Yeah, because no it way. says any modified Caroptera of Arrakis <gasps> no! adapted to carry distrans messages. And distrans, that was the one where like you can put like a secret message on an animal, right? Okay. Oh, wait. So so the crop, what's the actual yeah. word for it? Is it Cheoptera? Chiro-Terra, I think. Hey, can you just spell a... Yeah, C-H-I-R-O-P. Okay, I was going C-H-O. I didn't realize there was an I right in there. Okay, but, okay, but that is the word I was thinking okay. of. Okay. So they are, they're both, they're all bats. They're bats. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it's a modified, so it's yep. a modified bat of yep. Arrakis adapted to carry distrans messages. Why is it modified? Okay, like, let's, my, let's just get into it. Uh, it's not like a spoiler. It's going to come up later in it of just oh, what okay. a distrans is. Right, uh, you already sort of told me what a distrans was, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I so, but so specifically, there are these bats, and uh, well, I guess I'm gonna have to do a little research for fully because I'm I'm kind of reaching at it for this one. But okay, I think there is a device in them, or they've done something just to them genetically. Oh. No, I, I think it's a device because I believe uh, you you like kind of speak into like this microphone that's on them, or you touch okay. it to them. And uh, it basically records yourself onto like their vocal patterns. What? So then when that bat like screeches, your message is in there like voice style. And then you have to use like you got to know like you what to, to get a translator out. Yeah, and it's so like oh. you deconstruct that sound wave. And like I I definitely want to put an asterisk on this. We'll do a deep dive so I can make sure 100%, but I am going I'm just going off my wow, head of what I recall. Cool, actually. That is what I recall the distrans being. So at one point like um one of the Fremen takes his bat and he like kind of and like whispers into its ear and they're just like, what the hell is he doing? Like that's him recording a distrans. That's so cool. And then like when you get it later, you catch that bat and like they'll hold the bat up to the ear and the bat will chirp into their ear. And like they'll hear like that guy like talking from the fucking bat mouth. These are well-trained bats. These are great. Oh my. <laughs> it's just like, dang. You want to know why they're so good? Uh, sure. They want water. Oh. You give them a little water. Yeah, that bat's gonna do whatever you want. <laughs> want me to dance all day? Because like, uh, I think I think it's always like a, it's like a drop of spit. Like they'll drop from their mouth into the Ooh. bat's mouth, and it's like the bat being like, "Yeah, payday," <laughs> and then goes off and does his thing. That's hilarious. Oh, but th- <laughs> I didn't realize. So that is also the word for bat. That's so cool, and that makes those ones uh, even better. Uh, that, knowing that's what that that is really with. cool, actually. Ah, oh, good call. Good. Yeah, good. Random, random words work. 
when you when you said it, I'm just like, I don't know what you like what you're talking about with a bat, but then you said the name, like, oh wait a second. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know my portigals very well, but <laughs> I know my Kyoptera. Or uh, my Mishmish. But uh that, yeah, great job, Mike. Yeah, thank you. That, thank you. That's gonna do it for us of the week. Uh if you guys have any questions, if you know a wine that we could afford. Uh, let us know. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Spice World Pod. And uh, you can always reach us by email at spiceworldpod at gmail.com. And you can visit our website at spiceworldpod.com. Ooh. Uh, ooh. You know what, Mike? Uh, before we actually sign off entirely this week. Oh, yeah, sure. I want to give one more little shout out. Oh, sure. We have uh, one more guy in the production line <gasps> that I feel like gets overlooked. Oh. Missed. Our, our editor? Our final editor. Oh. We have a, a close friend who he listened. Uh, I think he's the first one to listen to the episode each week. And is the first one to come back to let me know Anytime we've messed up or left something, like something need to get cut. That did, oh, you know, I think through. that happened once where we're like, I need to get back on and change yeah, something. There was one, like, he's come over to tell me some hilarious things. Like, hey, Derek, uh, you burped in that last episode. Like, oh, <laughs> what time? We'll, Mike, we'll Mike. delete that. Um, and uh, it's going to be for David. Yeah. Like, David, uh, this is just a thank you, buddy. We really appreciate it. You're making our lives easier. And I'm glad you can't believe you listened to like 40 hours of us talking. <laughs> thank you. And then, also and then hang, hang out, out with us, us on the side. Yeah. You are a masochistic man. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. That is awesome. Thank you, David. Our first fan. <laughs> Our first fan. May there be more. Uh, we also have some really exciting news. We're actually going to launch a Patreon, Derek. Ooh. Yeah. Really, is you, it news for you, too? It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of coming out of the blue. We <laughs> yeah. Got, you got a couple it, tiers in mind? Or yeah. How, how's it going to be set up? All right. So the, first off, if you, if you just want to show your support to the show somehow, you can just leave like a dollar if you want, and that'd be awesome. Ooh, what, we, do you, what do you get if you leave a dollar? We say thank you. No. But I mean, here's the thing. I thought hey, about a like... heartfelt a, thank you. A, a heart, well, oh, they're always heartfelt thank yous, sure, Derek. Sure. Well, I thought about like, oh, we'll like put your names on to the, the podcast, but like, it doesn't matter if you mail us any facet we're gonna name you at some point on here that's just what we do <laughs> so that's, that's like a, that is that's like, like that's, a gimme that's that that how point. we're gonna say thank you then partially yeah. we're gonna give you a little it is, shout it out it is true but like always a thank you for like anything you send our way granted want to make it very clear no matter if we make zero dollars on this like we're gonna keep pumping the show out the way we have been it's just what we do oh yeah like it, this is just a weekly like <laughs> it's fashion a, and hobby it's now part of life that's <laughs> yeah, all this is part of the routine now all right so what is uh what's the step up from that we got a couple of drinks derek Ooh, yeah we're... first we got our Rachag enthusiasts. Okay. If you oh, need a little like, bit of uh, caffeine in your life. A, a little, little spice coffee. A little spice coffee. I like this, it. The spice coffee will help awaken your prescience, though, Derek. We'll give you access to early episodes. <gasps> you can see into the future. Into the future. <laughs> Just like Paul. That's cool. How, so how's that going to work? So uh, we release our episodes on Thursdays normally. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead, you know. Have we missed a Thursday yet? I don't think we got we, close. We, we got close because the internet went down. Yeah, yeah. close a few times. But cool. cool. But uh, so we're going to put them up on Mondays instead awesome. on, on the Patreon. Ooh, and that, yeah. Um, I like that. Next tier up from that, you're going to have, of course, prescience and everything. But we're getting some Sappho juice with this new one. Sappho That's enthusiast. That's the drink for this one? Yeah. Sappho. Okay, so we've had Rashog enthusiast and Sappho enthusiast. Sappho enthusiast. <laughs> okay, so you could be like Thufir. And, yeah, I think you might. Uh, a little bit like You might have some Mentat abilities. Oh, of course. This is, yeah. this is the best. Get your faculties going faster. But uh, you're also going to get a bonus episode every month. And we're going to do it sort of in the facet of this one, the Between Two Dunes. Yeah. Okay. So this is the one thing I am in the loop on. Yeah. And uh, there are several articles spread throughout the encyclopedia that I don't think I'm going to be able to tie into a chapter coherently. Or they're just too long. Yeah. 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 They Uh, just don't really fit 
anywhere in our sort of uh, post-chapter discussion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they need more air to breathe in, uh, some space to run around. we got to bring it to a farm upstate <laughs> and really let these uh, chapters have their heart. Um, so that'll be a cool thing. I think mm-hmm. especially uh, the one that comes to mind is that sister's journey on Gamat. I totally, oh, yeah. I kind of had to sidestep it. It was too much to go into for that. And like, it I feels re- weird to go back to it at this point, right? Yeah. So, so maybe between two dudes is the perfect place I think that'd be the that. way to do it. Um, so we'll do that. And uh, I'm also going to put a poll out every month. So that way everyone can sort of vote for what they want us to talk about. I'll put a couple up there that you feel like pretty prepared about or really excited yourself to sort of dive into. Ooh, and oh, we'll I, let, I like that. So we'll like, let the community I pick a few, decide. They pick a few. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And then we can see what they want to hear. Exactly. The most. Exactly. That sounds and great. So right. that'll, that'll that, be fun. That's the Sappho. That's the Sappho. And then, of course, the ultimate. And so this one, this is where we get a little bit uh, tricky. And so it's more more a little bit on faith here, I guess. It's our... <laughs> what is that going? <laughs> I want to hear the I know. I always now. have weird, like, <laughs> prefaces. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, spice wine enthusiast. Ooh, Spice wine. Spice wine. Um, and this is, if you want to, you know, donate a little bit extra to the show to help us keep going. I think we've put a little bit more into the show than we ever really intended to from the get-go, which is kind of exciting, really. Yeah, you know, it's a kind of slippery <laughs> slope where I'm like, well, I already bought this. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. I'm like, we can do one more thing. Let's like, do it. Let's do it. Exactly. We're gonna spend that's how it always goes. Six hundred on wine, like <laughs> oh god. Well, one of our wines that we have picked out, we are we're gonna go full throttle on that one. Yeah, but I'm excited. Regardless, the spice wine, it's got the same benefits as the Sappho. Now, I want to add something special to it. I just don't know what yet, and I would love input from the community. If you want a little something extra that is within the realm of possibility for us, like I'd love to give it to <laughs> you guys. Like, name your own reward. <laughs> yeah, name your own reward. It's like, for individualized we're, we're willing to negotiate on this one. Yeah. I know. No. That's so awesome. the point. The point of it is, though, like we want to like provide a little extra stuff, do the things that we can't do in our normal episode format. Like mm-hmm. you said, like uh, Gamont, for instance, if there's any other ideas people have, I'd love to sort of like submit them, put something together. Um, I've had a couple ideas for videos. I mean, it's a oh, podcast, yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's all for the ears, but uh, maybe a couple like bonus videos we could do just for that. Yeah, no, that, that sounds really good. I think that'd be a good idea to branch into. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I think this will be a good excuse for us to record more Dune stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, keep digging deeper. Get our feet wet and with a couple other things. Try some new things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some new formats. Yeah. Stuff like that. If it doesn't work, then, you know, the majority of people won't even know. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. There you go. Oh, Mike. Well, that's awesome. Go yeah. That Where can they find that at? So that's going to be uh, patreon.com slash spiceworld.com. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's the line. <laughs> <laughs> try again try again patreon.com slash spice world pod spice world pod <laughs> trying to combine all of our handles into one yeah, super address i do that all the time that's fantastic and uh here's the thing hmm. i, I want to keep growing it and if it gets bigger i want to be able to provide more juicy content on there for people sure and, it, it, and not, not have to increase any expectations or anything just like give a little extra that's just kind of a fun way to do it I think that's fair. Uh, and honestly, just seeing more uh, people respond has always been encouraging for us to keep that's this true. going and keep getting back. Like, it definitely makes me want to double down on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So Once I become more familiar with Discord, I'd love to set up a little bit of Discord with it and get like a little uh, CH server for people. Whoa. That could be fun. Getting ever closer. Start but, uh, set up our pods red. <laughs> exactly. The pods red. The pods red. Yes. One day. <laughs> 
We'll reach out to the others. Well, who is it that came up with the pods, Red? Uh, that was the Moad Dweebs. The Moad Dweebs. That's right. The, what a great idea, guys. I love that name. Yeah, the, the pods. I, I've been really enjoying listening to them kind of in tandem as to what we're doing. Oh, just yeah. to get some. It's like having uh, three more people in and, the room with us because uh, I'm just like, ooh, I'm listening to their ideas. Right. They touch on cool points. Uh, they've listened to like, some of our shows. And nah. uh, one of the guys kind of brought up a point from our first episode. Oh, that's so cool. It's cool. a good interchange of ideas happening passively already. I'll have to uh, I'll have to give it a listen. Uh, you'll you can vet it for me and let me know if there's any spoilers. (laughs) 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 That spoiler discussion. Anyone else do that? Not you, Mike. (laughs) You read one chapter and that's it. But I feel uh, I'm derailing us a little bit. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you wrap this one up? All righty. Next week, we're getting back into the book. Chapter 23. Mm hmm. Back into book two That's right. of book one of Dune right, right. in the series. I hate that little discrepancy. Uh, yeah, chapter twenty three. Going right back. Yeah, we got it. We got to. Yeah, I forgot. Eric in crisis. We're in the middle of. So still, still going on. I feel like we're relaxing for this week. <laughs> yeah. Just like kicking it. I'm like, oh yeah, Paul's about to die. <laughs> right. Oh god, He's having a tough time. So we'll check in on them, uh, see where we're at, and keep following policy ventures into the desert now. But <laughs> until then, the, the spice, spice must flow. We can even have people uh, vote for what they want us to sort of dive into. If they mm. know a topic and want to hear more about it or just hear our dumb take on it. <laughs> With avians galore. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad I made you get. I wanted you to get invested in Stavian a little. <laughs> Stavian avian. Didn't know that was coming. <laughs>